0: Glory to Jesus Christ, Glory to in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Our Lord this morning speaks to us about the kingdom of God and the pursuit of of the kingdom and his righteousness. He asks a series of questions to us. He asks about the place of mammon in our life. Mammon being a Syrian word, or maybe even Aramaic. There's debate about this, about wealth, profit. It becomes a kind of word to identify wealth, and worrying about the world and all that the world has. So it's mammon versus God. Mammon and the worries of mammon versus the kingdom of heaven. How do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Especially in a time like ours, where mammon rules just about every screen, airwave, and message that we even hear inside of our own heart. There is and has been a consistent trend, I'd say for probably decades now, if not longer than that. And it is a kind of story that you may be familiar with because i was familiar with it because i can identify with aspects of this story i grew up in arkansas i grew up a preacher's kid in many ways i kind of joke that i grew up in the 19th century because i would go to like gospel meetings we'd actually have debates between preachers i mean this is stuff that you read about on the frontier right like 150 years ago well In the early 90s, that was me in rural Arkansas going to these. And as I grew up, and as I saw in peers, and I've seen it in, I'll say, age groups before me, there's a tendency to grow up, and I'll just say conservative, because that's a huge umbrella. But mostly what I mean by that is a belief in the Bible, the miracles of Christ, the resurrection, His atoning blood, etc., etc. Sometime in college, you start opening up to the world. You start seeing things that you've never seen before, hearing things you've never seen before, and you usually react. It usually coincides uh, right with this time. Suddenly, the world is so much bigger than anything that you knew before. Maybe everything that I grew up with is silly bunk doesn't really cut it i need to grow i need to change it doesn't mean sometimes that there needs to be growth and change because the things that you understand as a child you understand as a child but there is a general drift that can come that i saw end up many times in complete apostasy from the faith from belief in jesus christ it starts slowly drifting away from christ of one 's youth. sometimes it ends up uh, many times, uh, of course, first stepping away from the church, then stepping away from beliefs, questioning those things, and then it can end up many times in a kind of amorphous God or spirituality i 'm sure you all are very familiar with spiritual but not religious, a kind of no knowledge, that there's more than the material, there's more than mammon, but there's something more that I desire, that I know, that I have remnants from my childhood, that I seek, but I don't think it has anything to do with Jesus Christ or the scripture, or maybe Jesus Christ because, you know, he's a pretty alright guy. This God then becomes someone completely unmoored, unrelated to scripture, the teaching of scripture or the church. The funny thing is, or at least it's funny to me, is that mostly this God still looks like a Christian God, just devoid of any of the demands or moral precepts, etc. It is a God who is loving, who is uh, all-embracing. All of the things that the church teaches, we don't want to lose those things. It's the hard sayings, it's the hard bits, the things that make us seem like we aren't lock and step with the broader world. With what mammon puts before our eyes to conform ourselves to what the world wants. So our idea of God, even if we step away from the church, has elements of the Christian God. Jesus, the shadow of Jesus, is cast long over the American desire for a God, but without the scriptures or the teachings of the church. What else tends to happen in this trajectory? And I think all of us, if it's not necessarily from the kind of childhood that I had, maybe it was a different kind of childhood, but still had a place for Christ or the church. And what usually happens in this trajectory is there's a replacement of one's spiritual life with more of a political one. Everything is politics. We lose the understanding or pursuit of holiness because everything becomes politics. We then, of course, as I've already been alluding to, drop specific moral teachings of the church. For as you move away from Christ, you're, of course, going to move away from the teachings of Christ. And the teachings of the church. It may come as no surprise as this trajectory reaches its climax. It is almost always a rejection of Jesus. I'm going to shift here. Why am I talking about all of this? There was a man in the early 20th century. His name was David Balfour. He was an Englishman who had been baptized Anglican, but his family became Roman Catholic, and so he became a Roman Catholic priest. And as he grew up, he pursued priesthood, became a Roman Catholic priest. But he was still searching, and he found Orthodoxy. He found Orthodoxy, and he made a pilgrimage to Mount Athos. So not only did he find Orthodoxy, but he went right into the heart of, of Orthodox monasticism. And you know who he met when he got off the boat? Saint Silouan, who, as he encountered him, heard a word from the Lord saying, you must pray and the Lord will enlighten you. But he did not say anything until he felt completely overwhelmed to tell David what the word from the Lord was. David also met St. Sophroni, whom we commemorate today, whose icon is before us. Three years now that we've been able to celebrate his feast. David, Silouan, and Sophroni became fast, deep, good friends. David was searching, and he found in St. Silouan, as he found also in St. Sophroni, a father and a brother in Christ, he became Orthodox. He became a priest. He was received as a priest by a Russian bishop. And we have for us the letters that St. Sophrony wrote to him. And we can know what David was asking because St. Sophroni responds to his letters, guides him, encourages him, because life is always a struggle. Well, what happened To Father Dimitri as he became. His life takes a fascinating course. And I'm not going to spend all the time. Let's just say it involves royalty. It involves uh, world wars. It involves spying. It involves all sorts of fascinating stuff. But that's not the point. In the midst of all of that. The world. I pique your interest. We can talk about it at coffee hour. He grew tired He grew disillusioned. He started to drift from the church and he took a similar trajectory as I've outlined and I've seen time and again, and I've also seen in my own life in my youth. Father Dimitri put away his cassock. He trimmed his beard and he left the church and he left the church Mostly because he rejected or began to question the claims of Jesus Christ and of the church. The exclusive claims of who Jesus Christ is and what it means to follow him. Especially in the mind and in the tradition of the church. Now what fed this was that when he went to because he had to be evacuated from Greece because of the Nazis he ended up in Egypt and he saw corruption in the church imagine that corruption in the church this of course if you're already questioning you start seeing things it completely undermines your faith he then also in his letters to saint sophroni talked about that he had left behind all the ascetical practices of the church because he wanted to, instead of fasting, instead of doing his prayers, instead of doing all these things, he wanted to actually to do just the positive things. He saw these things as negative. He just wants to do the positive things. He just wants to love and accept people. But without the sacrifice of asceticism. There's a famous quote from St. Sophroni that is actually drawn from one of his letters to David or Father Dimitri at the time. The quote goes like this. There are three things I cannot take in. Non-dogmatic faith, non-ecclesiological Christianity, and non-ascetic Christianity. These three, the church, dogma, and asceticism, constitute one life for me. Now this seems very strident, strict, specific. But if you read the rest of the letter, you can see Sophroni pouring his heart Out to his brother. For Saint Sophroni loved him. He would tell him of the prayers that he said for him, the vigils that he kept for him, the commemorations. Talking about it with St. Silouan, talking about it with other fathers on Athos, worrying about him. For St. Sophroni, in saying that it, he cannot take in a non-dogmatic faith, it caused us to wonder, what is dogma? Why does the church have dogmas? In some ways, dogma sounds like, you know, an 18th century word or just this kind of heavy churchy word. Dogmas are basically the teachings of the church. They're the undisputed definitions of the teachings and morals of the faith. They are what defends who Jesus Christ is. They help us to understand as much as we are possible with our human minds, the Trinity. They help enlighten scriptures, give clarity to the scriptures they enshrine and protect what it means for us to be humans, to be man, to be woman, and what it means for us to follow after Jesus Christ, the moral teachings of the church, ranging from what sex is and for, to what money is and for, to what we are to do in this world. Dogmas are intimately related to and rooted in who Jesus Christ is. It is about the defense and understanding of Jesus Christ and the revelation that we have in scripture. The teachings of the church enshrined in our liturgies. We even hear it in the troparia for the great of euphemia. We hear it. We pray it. And the church defends it. Because the church non-ecclesiological church, Christianity, is a divine human organism. It is an institution. It is the people. But it is the people wed to God. It is people because, as Father Demetrius or David saw, it can be corrupted. It can be... Uh, full as we all are intimately aware of, of fallen people, broken people. And it is what Father Dimitri wanted was freedom. Part of this falling away from the church was freedom. He felt hemmed in by Jesus. He felt hemmed in by the traditions of the church. He felt hemmed in by the asceticism that the church asks of us. But real freedom is to be obedient to God. Real freedom is to live with God's people, warts and all. Is this not marriage? Is this not friendship? Is this not what we want for someone out of their freedom to reject us or out of their freedom to love us? We cannot be saved alone. We have to be saved together. Father Sophroni or Saint Sophroni also says that he cannot understand or take in a non-ascetic Christianity. For if we believe and defend the dogmas of the church and we live life together in pursuit of the revelation that we are protecting through the dogmas and understanding, that means struggle. That means struggle to see God. That means struggle to see God, not only God himself, but God within each other. And while Father Dimitri or David Balfour wanted to just focus an accent on the positive things, St. Sophroni says, you know, in this letter to him, The way to actually love someone, the way to actually be able to acquire the virtues means you have to weed the garden. It means that you have to uproot and take care of your mind and your heart. And that means, from the tradition of the church, that means fasting. That means vigilance over your heart through prayer, through actual struggle against your sins. Pushing ourselves to pray as the fathers tell us because they know it's hard to pray it's easier to watch television it's easier to text it's easier to scroll through whatever instagram tiktok snapchat i don't know there's probably something else now right uh it's just go and go and go the scripture's talking about struggling against sin uh, to the point of shedding blood Or, our Lord, and what the fathers amplify is that those who take the kingdom of heaven take it by violence. That does not mean striking out and hitting, it does not mean violence against others, but it is a serious workout. Because that's what asceticism means. It is an athletic feat for us, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, to live into the dogmas of the church, to accept the teachings of the church and to appropriate this for our life. So I've talked about the tragedy of Balfour, Father Dimitri, leaving the church. He, as I told his life was all over the place. He ends up in Switzerland. He's married. He has children. And he wakes up in the middle of the night And he wakes up his entire family and he tells them, I believe in God. And there begins his pursuit again of Christ and of the church. After a long sojourn, after the freedom that he thought he was seeking, after everything but Christ and the church, he grieved to his deathbed what he had lost, losing St. Silouan, losing St. Sophrony, although they had never left him, is reported that at many of the services that he attended after he returned to the church, having been confessed by St. Sophrony, that many tears would flow down his cheeks. For brothers and sisters, orthodoxy is a precious gift it is the straight and narrow path of following Jesus Christ. We defend the dogmas and teachings of the church because they flow from Jesus Christ. They are his teachings. And those who love Jesus will keep his commandments as he tells us in the Gospel of John. We exult and glory in the life of the church, the deep traditions of the church that shape us, that point us, that enliven us, For they keep before us the depth of the Holy Spirit and the life he wishes for us to lead and to have. We encourage and strive to keep the straight and narrow path of following Jesus through this training of the ascetical life that Saint Sophroni embodied himself. The keeping of the fasts, the keeping of vigil, the attendance of the divine services, the preparation of our hearts for holy communion through confession. Prayer, the struggle of prayer, the struggle with our passions. This is what St. Sophroni puts before us, affirmed through the witness of the great martyr Euphemia, witnessed throughout the life of the church, that we are given Jesus Christ in all of his fullness through the life of the church. Let us embrace this life the single life, the church, the dogma, and the asceticism to the glory of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.